You're listening to The Dworkin Report. I'm your host, Scott Dworkin. I wanted to pull the curtain back on what you're seeing happening at the White House by interviewing Playboy's White House correspondent and CNN contributor, Brian Karam. Brian is one truly fearless journalist, a nonpartisan, non-activist, and no-joke reporter. But before we start, I'd like to ask you to check out the link to my new book series, Meet the Candidates 2020, authored by this podcast producer, Grant Stern. I'm a series editor, and each book starts with an essay that I've written about each candidate. The books are a wonderful portrait of each candidate, and Grant looks under every rock, search engine, and even into the Internet Archive to paint that portrait with lots of facts, policy, and the history that you need to truly understand the Democratic candidates for president in 2020. Check out meetthecandidates2020.com to see all of the books. Warren, Sanders, and Harris are on the shelves today, in your local bookstore. Brian Karam stood up to Sarah Huckabee Sanders in a press briefing just one year ago tomorrow, asking her the tough question that she just didn't want to answer, asking about her utter lack of empathy towards the children that the Trump administration is separating from their families. It's a problem that has erupted into a full-blown humanitarian crisis and is being shamefully perpetrated by our own federal government. Amazingly enough, we originally recorded this interview Thursday afternoon, and within a few minutes of us finishing our recording, Donald Trump and Sarah Huckabee Sanders announced that she would quit her post as the administration's Minister of Lies at month's end. So, Brian was kind enough to take a few minutes out of his day, 24 hours later, to reflect on the end of the gaslighting queen's reign of prevarication. Sanders lies so much, we literally had to get our thesaurus out to describe her dissembling deceptions but Brian Karam had to face her bundles of BS briefings live and in person every day for years. Take a listen. Thanks for taking the time today, Brian. How are you? I'm pretty good, and thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Um, so sure. obviously yesterday there was some big news. Sarah Huckabee Sanders announced her departure. Um, what is your reaction to uh, her departure? I wish it had come sooner. I think uh, two years as the press secretary and the previous six months before that as the uh, deputy press secretary. She has helped destroy the credibility of uh, the administration. She's a confirmed liar from the Mueller report. She has uh, ended press briefings, which I think destroys the credibility of her office even more. Uh, Between the lies and the inability to uh, speak with the press, I think this press secretary will go down in history as one of the worst uh, in, in our history, and I think that um, the precedence that she set for lying to the American people has turned her from a press secretary into a propaganda artist, and I don't think uh, that there will be many people that will look back on her time in that office uh, kindly. Do you think anybody will replace her? Do you think they'll actually fill the role? That's a good question. I've heard three or four names bandied about. But I don't know what that means. Uh, this is Donald Trump we're talking about, and it um, depends on how he feels on any given moment. Uh, he could wake up and decide he doesn't need a press secretary. He could wake up and decide he needs two. I mean, I, I don't think he's even filled the Bill Shine role yet. So maybe he'll, maybe Mick Mulvaney will put on another hat. He'll be the acting press secretary as well as the acting you know, uh, <clears throat> chief of staff. Who knows? Do these people feel these uh, fill these active roles because he wants to more have more power? Is that why he has act, people in acting positions and not official capacity? Well, some of them is acting because it avoids you know the um, being confirmed by uh, Congress. But 
I, I also think it's becoming increasingly difficult to find people that want, you know, that want to work with them. And I think that that's uh, uh, going to continue to be the case, especially since, you know, on the day that um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders announced that she was leaving, it came within <clears throat> 24 hours of Trump saying he wouldn't mind taking, you know, information from one of our adversaries uh, detrimental to an opponent in an election. And that is frightening uh, by any standard. So, um, you know, even the Republicans pushed back on that. So that's a he's putting himself in a very untenable position. And you've had, uh, obviously, a different interactions with Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And there's one in particular I wanted to know, know more about. It's a time you cited the fact she's a parent in regards to refugee children. I'm going to play the audio for our listeners. Come on, Sarah, you're a parent. Don't you have any empathy for what these people are going through? They Jill. have less than Brian, you do. Guys, Sarah, come on, settle down. Seriously. seriously. I'm trying to be serious, but I'm not going to have you, you yell out a term. Jill, please call. It's a law, and, and they have, that these people have nothing. They hey, Brian, I know you want to get some more TV it's time, but that's that, not what this is about. about I want to recognize you. Question, Go ahead, Sarah. Jill. Honestly, answer the question. It's a serious question. These people have nothing. They come to the border with nothing, and you throw children in cages. You're you're a parent. You're a parent of young children. Don't you have any empathy for what they go through? Jill, go ahead. So what is it that made you confront Sarah Huckabee Sanders and, and uh, say what most Americans would want to say, I would guess? Uh, I'm a parent. I've covered the, uh, the border since 1984. Putting kids in cages is not what the American Republic is about and should not be about. Refugee camps are an anathema to the U.S. way of living, and let's be blunt, that's what they're talking about, refugee camps. These are refugees, many of them, and they're putting them in camps. What else do you call it? If you can't have empathy for children and what they're going through, who are you as a human being? Let's just be blunt. That's the most disgusting thing I've ever seen anyone in government do. Find out more about Meet the Candidates 2020, my new book series of voter guides with Grant Stern. It's the only place you can read my opinion and a factual portrait of each major Democratic candidate in one place. Buy our book now at the link inside this episode's notes or on Amazon. Thanks again for your support. Let's get back to the show. Well, can can you explain to our listeners, uh, we'll jump into it, can you explain to our listeners why the White House press briefings used to be important and why they are important? They're important because they're the loan opportunity for the public to get a glimpse at, into what our president and his administration are doing, what they are doing. And so it's important to be briefed on a daily basis, to be aware of what's going on, to ask questions of a factual basis regarding the issues of the day. And um, it's important for communication in a republic, you know, it's supposed to be the government of, by, and for the people to respond to the people. And the hundred or so people in that press briefing room represent the public at large. Right. And why have they disappeared? And, and what have they been replaced with, if anything? They've disappeared because this administration feels uncomfortable communicating with uh, the public in a fashion that they cannot control all facets of the interaction. And they view the uh, press briefing as uh, as a time and a place and a room where they can't control everything. And with all the mics and all the sound, there can be follow-ups, there can be 
thought-provoking questions about serious issues, and they have to actually do their homework. And this administration does not do its homework and flies by the seat of its pants. So by the very nature of how they do business in this White House, a press briefing is antithetical to their existence. They don't want to be involved in that. So what has been replaced, or what has replaced it, is uh, a gaggle on the, you know, in the driveway when a member of the administration uh, walks up to do a live shot at different uh, locations on the front lawn on Pebble Beach, where all the networks set up their live shots, where I'm looking now, and uh, they'll do a live hit on a network typically Fox, CNN, NBC, somebody, and then they'll walk back down towards the White House. Cameras will set up. We'll catch them in the driveway. They'll talk for 10 minutes or five minutes, say a few things and go. And these are also tough comments. It doesn't take any preparation. It's hard to follow up. It's hard to ask in-depth questions because there's, uh, you know, wrangling to get a question in. So you have to limit your questions to seven to 10 words. So it limits the scope, it limits the follow-up, it limits the interaction. It's something far more controllable by this administration. And at the end of the day, they believe that that gives them control, while at the same time making it look like they're transparent and involved with the public when it's just the exact opposite. They're just promoting propaganda, and they're not answering substantive questions. And going with that impromptu kind of gaggle thing, I want to ask you about your most recent interaction with uh, President Trump when when he's telling you to be quiet, waving around that piece of paper. Let's play the audio for our listeners. I know this, that the relationship is such that that wouldn't happen under my auspices, but uh, I don't know about that. Nobody knows. Yeah. Quiet, quiet, quiet. Go ahead. Uh, what exactly happened in that interaction between you and the president? Did he just not like your question? I asked him if he could explain why millions of Americans believe that he can't tell the truth. I was asking him about his credibility and about him telling lies to the American people, and he didn't want to answer that question. Did so you, three times he told me to be quiet. Do you think he's he's talking to you as if you're all media when he I, I felt like it wasn't just you like he was trying to say no it was just me it was <laughs> it was exactly he pointed right at me right looked right at me and told me to be quiet he wasn't right. talking to all media that was directed directly at me exactly it's it, i wonder why they try to pick you out of a lineup all the time because it seems like this this happens a lot um do you do you read into him as trying to act like he's silencing the press just in general like is he is, does he does he think he has control over the press i think he would like to have control over the press i think he also likes to fight so i think he picks on me on occasion because he knows i'm going to give him a question he doesn't want to answer and he he can do two things he can show his uh base and this you know i sat down and talked with sam donaldson about this recently he goes the reason why he chooses you reason why he chooses a few others like uh, Jim Acosta or April Ryan or some of the others who push back hard is, hey, uh, the reason why he pushes, why he will pick on us is because he can then point to his base and go, see, fake media, they just hate me. That's all it is. It's just hatred. And it's not that. We're just trying to ask questions. So he uses us to, for his own agenda and for his own purposes. And at the same time, he can... A, dodge a question. B, uh, he, he truly doesn't like what the questions are. And C, he can uh, appear like he's controlling the media. So he he accomplishes it, – it's a conniving type of thing that he does. And he has, uh, over the years, 
hone his craft well and how to exploit the media, and he continues to do so. What, what is it like being in this White House? I know the Obama White House pretty well, but like, what is it like in this White House? I don't even think I'm allowed in the building anymore, but um, is, it, is it a different energy? Because you've been around for a while. So, I mean, like, what's the, what is it like working in, there, in the White House? Well, I've been to three county fairs and a goat wrangling, and I ain't never seen nothing like this place. <laughs> um, it's unfreaking believable Stressful every day, yes. You expect stress. It's adversarial. You expect that. What you don't expect, and what actually is getting boring to me, are all the same lies being told over and over and over again. And the fact that no one is in this administration seems to care about the rule of law, and nobody in this administration seems to be versed in the uh, topics that they that they talk about. They talk about um, problems on the border. They don't have a clue what the problems on the border are. They talk about um, the pro- – they, t- they don't even know what the Hatch Act is. They don't even know what the Posse Comitatus Act is. I've had to ask for clarification three or four times on issues. They don't understand the laws. The, the real danger of – what people don't understand is that Trump the fascist is going to be undone by Trump the incompetent. Most of the, you really, as long as he keeps his finger off the button, we're going to be okay, I think, coming in and out of this guy. But this group of people, they are understaffed, they are um, undereducated, they have no experience, and they're running roughshod across the countryside, but they're incompetent, so it would be really dangerous if they knew what they were doing. They certainly have mal uh, intentions, but they don't even know how to pull them off. They're not that good. With immigrant, you mentioned the Hatch Act. What are your thoughts on the Kellyanne Conway and how they said she should be removed as a a federal uh, official? Obviously. But do you think that's going to happen? I don't know. Trump isn't going to do that. He's not going to get rid of Kellyanne any more than he's going to get rid of anybody else who continues to shill for him. Donald Trump is Donald Trump, and Donald Trump doesn't care, and the members of his administration do not care. Donald Trump, in the end, only cares about one thing or one person, Donald Trump. And all the sycophants who hang around him only care about boosting uh, boosting him because they are after their own star in the firmament. So they see him as a means to an end. This episode of the Dworkin Report is brought to you by Resistors Like You. We aim to keep this show independent for as long as we can. Visit DworkinReport.com to see how you can help out. One of the best ways is by hitting that contribute button in the top right and giving what you can. Thanks again for your support. Let's get back to the show. Most people know Brian from his very high-profile conflicts with President Trump while he's trying to ask him questions, or the soon-to-be former press secretary, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. But do they really know him? Even I tend to think of journalists as activists, and Brian is one of the most stalwart questioners out of any journalist. He explained to me his brand of journalism in our last segment and why he holds politicians' feet to the fire of all stripes and from all parties. But that's when he proceeded to explain why that doesn't make him an activist but a truth seeker and why he's asking those tough questions. I guess with the new kind of journalism out there where you also have to slightly be an activist or at least speak out, why don't, why don't you I think, don't agree. Why are there not a lot I don't, of... Go ahead. I, I, I don't agree 
that journalists should be activists. I, I think journalists ask questions. We don't work on a, a we have to do our job and what may seem like activism to some is not activism other than defending yourself to the ability to ask a question. There are activists who are reporters. Don't get me wrong, but I, I didn't get into this business to be an activist. I don't like Democrats any more than I, I mean, the only thing worse than a Republican is a Democrat to me and Democrats will snatch victory, snatch defeat out of the jaws of victory every time. If you give them a chance, I, I, really honestly think that all politicians are a problem and it's my job to expose them to the light and there are some good ones on both sides of the aisle but i'm not i don't consider myself an activist i just consider myself a reporter i guess more in the lines of like why does not every reporter have the guts to speak out and actually ask the questions like you do corporate journalism is a big problem in this country whereas if you speak out too much you risk the chance of losing your job go along and get along or get along to go along is the watchword, and uh, and it's it's tough. I mean, I got fired once uh, from a television station because I had a showdown with President Bush. Uh, it's something that is, you know, and the other part of it is if you're covering the White House, a lot of reporters are afraid of being frozen out, not being invited on Air Force One, not being in the pool not being able to uh, have a seat at the table and, and, you know, cozy up to power. And I just don't care. I, I At this point, things are so far wrong. Um, I, I firmly believe that H.L. Mencken was right. Um, most politicians aren't here to help the Commonwealth. They only prey upon the common wheel. It's to the good advice of everyone to hold their power down, uh, to an absolute minimum and reduce their compensation to next to nothing. And I firmly believe that um, there are too many people who are too worried about getting in the, you know, the local registry, you know, the green book or whatever, and cozying up to those in power rather than covering those in power. And I'm not saying you can't have a dinner with someone or you can't you know, you go out and, and socialize, but I'm saying, as a reporter, you need to keep yourself at arm's length away from those that you cover to be a disinterested third-party observer. Where can people find you online? Uh, well, let's see. The, the uh, podcast is justaskthequestion.com. I'm at Brian Karam on Twitter and uh, on uh, Facebook and on uh, Instagram. And you can pick up any of my seven books. Just go to Amazon.com. Awesome. We'll make sure to share those. I, I want to thank you for being on the front lines and for speaking for all sane Americans and uh, really appreciate you, <laughs> you taking the time today. I really do. Well, to some people I'm speaking for the insane Americans, but look, I just follow my conscience and that's all that anybody can do. Follow your conscience and at the end of the day, that's who you're responsible to, even more so than your audience or your editor or anyone else. And I wish more people would do it. It's um, and I wish that there was more pushback against this administration, but I, I have seen a growing pushback um, since the first six months of this administration when there was little. But I think he has, by calling us the enemy of the people and fake news, I think he has energized some to push back. And if that denotes activism, then okay, <laughs> I'm fine with that. Um, I don't like bullies, and I don't think that... The president of the United States, I respect the office, 
but the office needs to respect our job, too. We're sanctioned by the Constitution. We're here for a reason, and they are responsible to the people, and we are the people. We're not the enemy of the people. We are the people. I want to thank Brian Karam for taking the time to do the interview. I want to thank my producer, Grant Stern, for all of his hard work. You can check out our website at dworkingreport.com. Thanks again for listening. Onward!